tonight we're continuing on with our series called Set Apart uh, on the book of Daniel. And we're going to be talking in chapter 6 tonight. Uh, or, you know, session 6, we're going to a chapter each session. So we're going to be talking in session 6, but I want to start off like this. Like, we live in a world where we desire to just look like each other and do things that mimic other people. It's really easy <laughs> to get involved in that scheme of things. Like, like, we see something that's popular, or we see something that's interesting, and what do we do? We monkey see, monkey do, right? We become that thing, that we get invested into that thing. We follow some influencer or something on social media, and the next thing you do or say and everything they say or do is like gospel truth now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a joke and then I'll make a joke about myself so that way I can make up for it. But the other night, I'm laying in bed and I'm like doing my nightly routine for 30 minutes playing. Uh, huh? No, not Candy Crush anymore. I've done away with it. The football game, I can't even remember the name of it. Yes, Retro Bowl. Yes, it is my nightly routine. And Darren's listening to these people on her Instagram account. And this lady, it caught me off guard because I you know, my ears are open. I'm listening, and this lady's like trying to sell a knife, and she's like, it will never go dull. And I looked over, and I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. She's trying to sell a knife that's never going to go dull. This woman's probably never even used knives. Knives go dull. What a liar. <laughs> we, and, but we accept everything that's truth from these people. We, we want to be like these people. We buy expensive products that these same people use. Look, for me, man, I got a guy that I like to follow in the hunting world, Stephen Ranilla. I don't know if you guys know him. He is uh, the meat eater guy. But, man, ever since I started following him, I've just wanted some first light camo, right? I just wanted some first light camo. But Lord knows I can't afford a $300 pair of pants. And I'm not doing it. I ain't doing it, especially for camouflage. I ain't doing it. I'll wear sweatpants, under sweatpants, under sweatpants before I spend $300 on a pair of pants. I ain't doing it. But I see this guy. I'm inspired by this guy. Next thing, you know, next thing you know what I want to do, I want to wear the same stuff this guy's wearing. I want to talk like this guy's talking. I want to preach like this guy's preaching. It's our natural tendency to do this type of thing. See, something about us makes us want to be like others. And I, I, wanted, I would like to say that that is traced back to the beginning of time. Like seriously, what did the serpent say in the garden to Adam and Eve? That, you know, he doesn't want you to eat of this fruit because you will become like him. What do they do? They eat it. Since the beginning, it's always been, how can I be like someone else? And maybe the thought behind that is, is it's just simply just like, man, we have the same interest. And I, and I kind of like this person. And I just want to, you know, do things that they do. I want to mirror what they do. Or maybe it's deeper than that which I, I think for some of us it is. For me, it was. Maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe we do not like what we see when we see ourselves due to things we've gone through and hurts we've been through and the, the wounds we've established in our hearts. And so we try our hardest to live something else. We try our hardest to be someone else because the person that we are, we don't like to look at. Maybe, maybe if I can just be like this person, then, <laughs> then I'll love myself. But then you're just left 
with a second identity that's not meant to be who you are. Maybe then, see, that's the point that I was at at one point in my life, right? Like I was attaching myself to whoever that would show me love or thought of love or, or gave me attention or made me feel cared for. I, I would connect myself with that person or that group or that thing. And then next thing you know, I just wanted to act like them or be like them, whatever that would make me feel cared for. That's just the truth. You know, I got, you know, you guys, I like to be real with y'all and tell you things about who I am. I just want to be like someone else. That way I can feel cared for. It affects everybody, honestly, even millionaires, even millionaires. You guys heard of the new LSU coach, Brian Kelly, right? Sorry for you LSU fans. I want to show you a little video of how it even affects millionaires. It's a great day to be a tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana. The um, decision that um, came about after spending time with my family. I'm here with my family. And time with my family. My family. And time with my family. My family. <clears throat> That's hard to watch, right? He's like, man, how can I connect with these crazy Louisiana folks? Maybe if I just like kind of sound like Kojo a little bit. Maybe if I had this like country accent. But really, in the end, he just looks buffoonish. <laughs> Some guy on the internet made a clip of him saying family side by side with each other. Reason number 797 why I love YouTube. <laughs> That's hilarious. And it's cringy, right? And you're like, oh, I really wish he wouldn't have done that. Like, it makes me feel uncomfortable for him. But I can't stop watching. But what I'd like to ask you is this, as cringy as that is, how twisted, how hurt does God have to feel to look down on us and see the person that he made to be a specific individual who is a child of God, who identifies as an heir to Christ, acting like somebody they're not? Man, I tell you what, a lot more cringy than that was. A lot more hurtful than that was. You see, this series is about being different, not the same. This series is about being set apart, to be contrary, to be different from the world, to look different from the world. But guess what happens when you are different and you are set apart? You stand out. You stand out. And the thing is, there's some positive aspects to that because some people are drawn to the light that God has put inside of you and they will come to know him as Lord over their life because of the light inside of you. But there is some negative things too. There is some negative things that happen too. And the attention comes to that. Let's look at what Jesus said in John 15. He said, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, and I love this part. This really just clarifies being set apart by and for God. But I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world what? Hates you. Thank you. The world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. 
Now, it's not that enlightening and encouraging of a scripture at a point. If you look at it from a different perspective, it is because now you can say, I have expectations that this will happen. So when it does happen, I won't be rocked off my firm foundation. But instead, I'll stay strong knowing that, man, if they crucified him, what, what is it that they'll do to me? If they'll crucify him, surely I can take a couple of slanderous words. What they did to him, he promises that the world will hate us because we love him. Tonight we're going to look at Daniel 6 and see what it means to be set apart again. Other characteristics that beholds that calling. But more specifically, we're going to see the dangers of being different. The dangers of being different. We're going to start in Daniel 6. Um, we're going to start at the very first of that chapter. So we're not going to lay a lot of context. We're going to go straight from verse 3, okay? It goes like this. Oops, behind me. Awesome, Kelby. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground or complaint or any fault, because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now, what happens after that is these men who are trying to find something wrong with Daniel go to the king, the king who loves Daniel, and they manipulate the king. They say, O oh, king, should we not put a decree over the land where if somebody worships for 30 days, if somebody worships somebody other than you, then they will be thrown into the lion's den. This story sound familiar now for every kid who went to children's church? You'll be thrown into the lion's den. And the king signs off on this approval. He says, surely, yes, no one should worship anybody but me. He did not know their intentions were to manipulate him to get Daniel in trouble. But Daniel knew. Verse 10 says this. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, I'm going to repeat that first part. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, the same document that was going to have him killed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Let's read that last little part together. As he had done previously. That's some good word right there. The story continues on and we're not going to read the rest of the scripture. And you're like, oh, we're not going to hear about the lions. We're going to kind of throw it out there real quick. The story continues on, and they bring these charges against Daniel, and the king tries to have it taken away, but they said, no, you signed it, you decreed it, it is to be the way it is. And they throw Daniel in the lion's den. As you all probably know, <laughs> the lions did not touch him. I'm sure there's some, uh, some biblical picture you've seen of him, like, cuddling with them or something. They... <laughs> The lions did not bother him. And the next morning, the king runs out to the tomb in which the lions are in, this, in this cave, and says, Daniel, have you been spared? And, and Daniel tells him he has. That God shut the mouths of these lions. And then we see this king of Babylon start professing things about God that his kingdom shall endure forever. <laughs> and that there's no God like the God of Daniel. Right? 
starts confessing all these wonderful things. If you like the story of redemption, those guys that manipulated Daniel, they got thrown in the lion's den. Didn't end so well with them. <laughs> it didn't end so well with them. But here's where I want to go with this tonight, guys. You see, there's two points that I want to make. The first of those being that there are some dangers of being different. Let's just be real about it. Look at, look at Daniel. He's different from all of them. You think he had it like fairy tale land, right? Rainbows and unicorns. He's like riding one around everywhere. No, it was not like that for Daniel. And the first point I want us to make is that darkness desires to have company. It, it wants someone to be around them. You see, the light exposes the darkness, right? You, you turn a light on in a really dark room, is the room dark anymore? No. It exposes what was once dark and makes it light. And so the darkness tries to put that light out because it does not like it. Do any of you find it oddly familiar that the tool being used that was going to kill Daniel is the same illustration that the New Testament uses for the enemy? A lion. In, in Peter, it says that the, the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He says that the enemy is like a roaring lion, rocking around, seeking whom he may destroy. You see, the hardship, hardships and persecutions and, and the dangers that we may face as someone who is different seems to always arrive when we're at a weak point in our life. I think you can think back and think of a moment when that happened. It's as though the lion illustration is even more solidified and real. What does a lion do when it hunts its prey? It kills it for sure, but it, it, it gets them alone. Not only does it get them alone, it, it goes for the one who's weaker, the one who might have an injury, the one who might be young, and gets them apart from its friends and runs them and runs them and runs them back and forth until they are no longer have the strength to run away. And then he attacks. See, guys, that's why I think the Bible compares the enemy to a lion, because the way in which he can get to us the best is to get to you when you're tired. Like, I want you to think, seriously, like, if we, while we're exhausted, cave in to temptation, cave in to the attack of the enemy or to the accuser or to someone who's given us a hard time about our faith, does not the enemy start to whisper doubts of faith in your ears? Does not the enemy start to tell you things? Have you not noticed that you're way more susceptible to giving in to temptations that you normally wouldn't do when you're tired? Man, I know I do. What about you? If you want to wait to the end of the night to read your Bible, how many people are still going to read their Bible? Probably not this guy. I mean, honest. If I've been up all day long, working all day long, and I wait to the end of the night to finally read my Bible, probably not going to do it. Something about being exhausted, getting separated, being weak, man, we are much more susceptible to attack. But that doesn't mean we have to let our light be dimmed. That doesn't mean that we should be dimmed by the darkness, but instead shine bright in the darkness. Like we've been given a beacon of hope, which is Christ. 
And it's supposed to show and shine and attract people to himself. Don't let tiredness shut your light out. Don't let exhaustion cause you to be uh, not a good witness for Christ. I've been there, done that, man. I got a couple of t-shirts, right? Where I'm exhausted. and Instead of responding to somebody in grace and, and forgiveness, I respond with passive aggressiveness and seem like I'm some type of pagan who never knew God? Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> if so, I might need to be giving one of you guys this job. <laughs> it happens. It happens. But you know how the animal gets away from the lion? The animal gets away from the lion when he does not get separated from the pack. Guys, our tendency, especially as guys, but I believe it's just human beings, our tendency is when we are tired and exhausted and under temptation and under trials is to isolate ourselves, to get alone. And let me just tell you, that's right where the enemy wants you. Find yourself some friends that you can count on. And I promise you, it gets better. It gets better. You see, there's some accusations that come against the law of God. I love in verse 5, uh, it says, These men, they couldn't find nothing wrong with Daniel, right? And so they say, If we shall find any ground for complaint against this Daniel, unless we find it in connection with the law of God. And so there's some accusations that come that are pretty common to us as believers that I want to cover real quick. First uh, Peter 3.15 tells us that we need to always be ready to give a defense to anyone about the hope that we have. And be prepared to talk. Be prepared to tell about what you believe in, about why you have this hope in you, the hope of glory that is Christ. And Daniel's found by these people with no fault, so they found fault. They found a fault in him through what he believed in. And man, oh man, how does that happen to us? Find wrongs in the way that we worship. Find wrongs in our belief system, holes in our belief system. You see, the enemy is real good at making us believe a weakness in our belief system. Or, you know, a, a, not a knowledge of something means that we have a weakness in our faith. And that if somebody can counter against you something that you're not able to respond to, that means that we're not connected to Christ at all. That's the whisper. But the whisper is wrong. That's why it's so important, guys, that we don't just say, like, I'm a Christian, or I grew up in the Christian faith. But instead, we know why we believe what we believe. Why you have this hope. That's why he says in the Scripture, they're like, like, be ready to give a reason of defense for the hope that you have. What is the reason you believe in what you believe? Because sometimes you need to know why you believe what you believe. Secondly and lastly, just stay with me for a second, guys. I want to make one last point, and it is this. What, what do I do? Like, seriously, like, what do I do? And I think the answer given to us in the Scripture tonight is, is stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. Verse 10 tells us that 
uh, when Daniel knew that he had signed, that the document had been signed, he knew that persecution was coming. He knew that the lions were calling his name. He knew that he was going to be thrown in there with them. What did he do? Did he run? No. It says he did what he always did. He, he went and found a place in his house that he always did that pointed towards Jerusalem. And what this is is just symbolism that said he sought his face towards God. And he prayed. And he prayed. And I love that last part, as he had done previously. <laughs> he stuck to the plan, guys. You see, unjust accusations of other people and hurtful comments of other people can not be a reason why I negate from my call to be Christ-like. And by that I mean I cannot make me fall away from what I'm supposed to be doing, right? What, what I know I need to be doing, I have to stay doing. And you know, they say when the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I agree with that statement. I do. But I would kind of like to give a new rendition of it. Like when the dangers of being different come, like I have to cling to the cross. When the dangers of being different come, I have to stay devout and stuck on plan, on course. Daniel knew exactly what was coming. And he knew exactly what he was going to do. Do what he always did. Worship God. No matter what comes, he was going to do that. Even if he saw death, he was going to do what he knew he needed to do. What about us? People make fun of our faith. We kind of cowered out, put our tail between our legs. But think about this. What would happen in reality if, if we did the opposite of that? Would that not cause the greatest impact? To a person who took the time to diss your belief system. I saw a Facebook ad today that compared, not ad, but a, a post today by somebody I used to uh, be close with when I lived in Ocean Springs that compared Christians just to all brainwashed people, right? And it was offensive. It was meant to be that way. It was meant to be that way. What do I do when I see someone saying that or someone comes to me and makes fun of my belief system or that I'm a churchgoer or that I proclaim that Christ is my king? Do I cower out and run the opposite way? No, nah, man, imagine if we continue to believe what we believe, even in the face of that, what kind of impact that would have on that individual. Really, like, man, like, I just said the things that I did, and he's still going to stick up for what he believes in? And that has to be true. Like, what kind of person would do that? It's because a person with faith. I'm telling you, that is the type of impact you would have. I want to tell you a really embarrassing story real quick of me, not of my wife. I do that too much but of me when I was in kindergarten going all the way back I was about 24 inches tall about 112 pounds <laughs> I was a large baby uh when I was in kindergarten there was this bully on first grade right and for some reason they put first grade and kindergarten together in, on the playground and this kid one day pushed me over and I felt so defeated Right, like I wouldn't. I was. I was not sticking up for myself at that time in my life. I was a kid. Not only was I a kid, I was a really large kid, who probably would not have beat up this athletic little kid. And my cousin comes out of nowhere, bro. It was like the Flash. He's like, right. He like flies towards me. He literally picks this kid up, 
All right, Chase Taylor, if you ever hear this one day, talking about you. He picks this kid up, and he dumps him in the trash can. Literally in the trash can. And he then he picked me up off the ground, and we walked away. And I felt like I just did that. You know what I'm saying? I was like, look at what I did. Look at what I did. But my cousin had my back. He was there for me, man. And if that happened again today, which would be even more embarrassing, I think my cousin would dump him in the trash again. Because he's got my back. You know what I'm saying? He's my boy. No matter what happens, he'll be there for me. Now, how would it be if your best friend got picked on for what they believed in? Got done wrong for what they believed in? And you didn't say anything? do anything maybe you did so just just because you didn't want to or maybe you did it and you just act like you didn't know him right that way you wouldn't be the next one in line or maybe you join join the people assaulting that person because you didn't want to stick out and look like him how much are we like that when our faith is tested by darkness how much are we like that when our conversations come up that should get responses of our hope, that we should be defending what we believe in, but instead we're met with silence? We don't say anything. Is Jesus not the best of friend at all? Yet he's assaulted by words, and he doesn't need our defense, but he deserves our defense. And yet, he's met with absolute silence. Guys, those of us going to college, those of you who are going to college or maybe in college, I just want you to want to say, like, get prepared. An attack on your faith is going to come. It's a major part of university. They know that pressure breaks people. And, and if you don't have answer to their challenging questions, then a lot of people just crush under the weight of it. And, and leave the faith and become atheist because they were not able to answer a question. Let me just forgive you of that. Not forgive you of that, but like forgive you of the pressure of that. You don't have to have an answer to everything, okay? They don't either. They just might act like they do. But a lot of people believe in Christ or part of the Christian faith but don't know why. When we meet with challenges, we have to meet like Daniel did and meet them with a place of worship, a place of faith. I'm so thankful, um, I'm really beyond thankful that God blessed me with the wife that I have. She is a woman that sticks to the plan. Seriously. Like, I'd pick on her about her stubbornness, but it's that characteristic that causes her to, when met with uh, a convictions, to say, I'm not, I'm not budging from that. It's, those, it's that same characteristic when met with temptations that the same temptations that I might get might cause me to, to like shake at the knees. She'd just be like, that's not part of the plan. And I see that in her. And I know that to be true. She was in college, a freshman, and I'm, I got like four or five minutes left, guys. Just stick with me, please. Cling to what I'm trying to say. In her first course, she took a philosophy course. All right, probably not advisable. 
in the, pretty much the whole course, the guy's trying to disprove the reality of the Christian faith. And I can't help but want to mourn for the people who probably walked away or deconstructed their faith because of that. Not my wife. She, she was the thorn in that professor's side all semester long. That when met with these difficult questions, guess what? She didn't have an answer to them. And that's okay. But instead of crumbling underneath the pressure of what these questions said, like the professor was hoping people would, she went to the research and finding these Christian apologetics who are well-versed in why the Christian faith is not some moronic thing to believe in, but instead it's the only truth. It's the truth. And guess what she did with those videos? <laughs> Emailed them to her professor, which is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. And who knows what that might have done. That might have, I don't know if it caused that guy to convert to faith, but Maybe it saved the next year's students a lot of heartache that were belonging to Christ because he saw what he was doing to be wrong. As I close, guys, I want to give one little illustration to kind of wrap things up. In the movie The Lion King, Simba is met uh, with an intense situation, pain. You might call it an attack, where Scar murders his father and what does he tell Simba you did this you did this the lies of Scar caused Simba to do what stand up with his chest up to run like a little scared cat this tail tucked between his legs and he went off and it took some time but eventually some friends were able to help him see his true identity not some Nobody, but instead the son of the king of Pride Rock. And he comes back and he faces Scar with truth and boldness. And what does Scar do? Scar is terrified. He's confronted with reality. You see, guys, if you're feeling guilty tonight, it's not because I want you to feel guilty. I promise you that. I'm not trying to manipulate your feelings or anything like that. You may be thinking of all the times you were met with the attacks in your life that were testing your faith and, 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 and attacking what you believe in, and you met it with silence, and you cowered it down and ran away like Simba did. Become complacent. But just like Simba had friends to help him, let, let me help you as your friend tonight. You don't have to be that way. You can stand up. You can stick to the plan. You can do as though Daniel did, right? He faced Jerusalem. You can pick your head up and face God. You see, guys, your identity is not a defeated orphan like Simba thought his was. Your identity is the son or daughter of the true king. And, and the lion tried to steal, kill, and destroy you, right? By making you believe the lies of the enemy. But the Lion of Judah, who is also the spotless Lamb of God, says that the enemy cannot steal what the blood has bought. He can't take what we don't give him. Friends, 
That's what makes the enemy coward away like Scar did. Truth. To know truth. And the word is the truth. And guess what the word says? The truth will set you free. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for who you are. May your name be proclaimed for all generations, God. May your word do what I know it can do, which is transform, transform hearts. The biggest miracle we could ever see is not a person being healed from cancer. It's not a person being raised from the physical death. It's not a person that was blind, not now being able to see. The biggest and most grand miracle there could ever be is the salvation of a soul. To take a wretch like me and say, no, I declare you righteous, not because of what you can do, but by what I did for you. And God, I know that we not all can say that. And I'm not going to do some type of manipulative prayer to try to get people to buy in so that way I can baptize them. I don't care about that. I care about genuine decisions. And Lord, let these people here know that if that is ever something that they need to make, that I would be more than happy to talk to them about that. Bless this youth group, Lord. It's special. I think we all know that. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, there is a card by you. We're going to fill out that prayer card, and we will be dismissed after that. Well, again, you do not have to leave.